0: It's hard to imagine, but let me take you back about a year ago now when there was lots of talk of things being cancelled. In fact, there were cancellations of public events because of the surge of a new variant, a new COVID variant called Omicron. It feels like it's been with us for so long now, it's hard to imagine a time when it wasn't with us. But in fact, the first case in Canada was detected in Ottawa on November 28th, so just a little over a year ago. Of course, uh, It exploded, right? Soon Omicron was absolutely everywhere. So even though our interest in stories about the pandemic began to wane a little bit, I think a lot of us were suffering from some real pandemic fatigue as we head into year three. Um we may have been sick with the virus, the virus very much wasn't done with us. Um, And again, that new variant changed pretty much everything. By January, case counts had exploded once again in this country. It's estimated that between December and May of this year, some 17 million Canadians contracted Omicron.
1: It was this gigantic tidal wave that hit us. This uh, variant was extremely transmissible. caused people to have asymptomatic infections infections with no symptoms so they went about doing their daily thing and we were lifting all these restrictions
0: that too i mean imagine today compared to a year ago masks all but gone restrictions all but gone Uh, Some people disagree with that, obviously, but really the mandates are gone. They've been gone now for months, better part of more than half a year in many places. Um, And many things have simply gone back to normal. The pandemic is still with us. I mean, Omicron is still spreading, but there was a time there where it felt like just about everybody that I knew had contracted COVID at one point. Um, Of course, a lot of the mandates being dropped, that sort of as politics wound its way into public health policy as well. We also, though, saw a new vaccine arrive, able to target the new variant.
1: Today, I'm here to talk to you about Health Canada's authorization of the first bivalent COVID-19 vaccine in Canada. Health Canada has authorized an updated version of the Moderna Spikevax COVID-19 vaccine for adults 18 years of age and older. And this vaccine is known as a bivalent vaccine because it targets two coronavirus strains, the original SARS-CoV-2 virus from 2019 and the Omicron BA1 variant.
0: A real game changer, although pickup of that was relatively low compared to what uh, the pickup had been for those earlier vaccines. Of course, as all this was happening, COVID continued to take a toll. The healthcare system, under so much strain during the height of the pandemic, continued to buckle under even more. There was sickness, burnout, staff were getting sick, people were moving to new jobs, leaving the hospital system severely understaffed. Several rural ERs closed for days over the summer, that was a story we covered quite often here on a little more conversation and dropping the mandates as well as many other factors also had some severe consequences as we went into fall. flu cases almost a non factor during the early years of the pandemic as we were isolated, masking up they rose again quickly. And then children's hospitals were hit by a triple whammy of flu, COVID, and something called RSV, all respiratory uh, illnesses, and those ERs became crisis spots as well. So much to talk about when it came to health and medicine this year, and to help us do that is Dr. Peter Singer. He's a special advisor to the Director General of the World Health Organization and an adjunct professor of medicine at the University of Toronto, and he speaks to us tonight from Geneva. Uh, Thank you, Dr. Singer. Uh, Thank you so much for your time welcome to our year in review.
1: Thank you, Ben. It's great to be with you.
0: It's been an interesting year. If we look back to the beginnings of 2022, uh, it felt like we were growing more accustomed, of course, to living with COVID-19, but the variants, Omicron, came along and that certainly dominated much of the conversation this year.
1: No question. That was the uh, wild card or joker in the deck. And you can almost think about 2022 as the year of Omicron. It's almost exactly a year ago, Ben, that Omicron was kind of announced, if you will. And uh, it really caused a surge in cases, a surge in deaths. And just to give people some perspective, at the peak, we were having about 10 times as many deaths as we're having now. So a year ago, compared to a year ago, we're now at about 10% of the deaths worldwide on a weekly basis, about 8,500 per week of COVID, but that's still 8,500 too many almost 10 times as many a year ago, and we're nearing the end of the emergency phase of the outbreak. And as you say, there's probably 500 variants of Omicron that have cropped up in the meantime. So in a sense, it's the year of Omicron, but things are looking better, much better now than they were a year ago.
0: Yeah, it seems remarkable just how, you know, in a short period of time, I think almost everyone we knew got COVID. Omicron was so was so pervasive.
1: Yeah, That is super important because I can almost guarantee you that there will be another outbreak that will be significant, hopefully not as bad as this one. Maybe it'll be a new variant on COVID. I hope not. This is a regular thing, and we have to prepare for it. The trick now is not to have a cycle of panic and neglect and really shore up our defenses, because I think it's fair to say that no country was fully prepared for COVID, and this was a historic thing over the last three years. And I don't mean historic good, I mean historic bad. Estimated maybe 20 million excess deaths so far, 20 million. That's a huge number. And I think the pandemic also showed just how central health was to everything, to development, to economic prosperity, and even to national security.
0: When we look at the easing of restrictions, because that's something we've seen now just about everywhere, including uh, suddenly in China. Um, this has been a year where we've allowed COVID now to pretty much roam freely within, within our societies. What has been the impact of that?
1: On the numbers, we are getting to the end of the uh, emergency phase of the pandemic. So the numbers are coming down. However, I think the most kind of nefarious impact of the whole thing, you mentioned restrictions, mandates, is the, um, in a sense, public health has become a political thing. Voting preference determines often your behavior on things like masking, on things like that. And I would never would have thought three years ago, you know, that a mask, for example, is a political statement. That's a very dangerous thing going forward because public health it's actually based on science, and that's how people protect themselves. And so that's the hangover of COVID, if you will, from from, from COVID. And we really need to find a way to mend those political rifts. I mean, it, it's related to COVID. It's not only related to COVID, it's related to other things. But th- those fault lines that have emerged in our society at a time of great stress are real vulnerabilities going forward.
0: Have you seen them exacerbated, do you think, in 2022?
1: I think they grew throughout the pandemic, and I think they were exacerbated in 2022 because people rightfully are sick of it. I'm sick of COVID. Everyone's sick of COVID. You know, year three is even more weary. You get even more weary of it than in year two. And of course, in Canada, we saw various events around mandate. We did see politicization. We see that everywhere. It's a tear in the fabric of our society that we have to mend. And so let's think purposefully about how we can find common ground in our society because that's what we will actually need for future protection. Pandemics and epidemics, they start and end in communities. And if those communities are fractured, it's dangerous. Dr. Tedros said, uh, the Director General of WHO, right at the beginning of the pandemic, he said, the virus exploits the fault lines in our society. It finds the cracks. And he turned out to be right. Leadership is the most effective vaccine trust is the most effective vaccine if you you take the metaphor and so there's a deep social crack in the foundation if you will that we have to i think pay some attention to because uh, uh we'll be safer if we do
0: i think that this will continue to be a problem in canadian healthcare until we address the health human resource crisis that we're we're faced with right now we all know that there's a crisis what we're waiting for is action Dr. Peter Singer is with a special advisor to the Director General of the World Health Organization and an adjunct professor of medicine at the University of Toronto. We're looking back at the year 2022 in review uh, at Medical and Health Stories. This year, of course, COVID still very much front and centre. But Dr. Singer, one of the big things we've seen, uh, specifically as the year has gone by, is a huge impact on the Canadian healthcare system. We're seeing it both in uh, regular hospitals, we're seeing it now in kids' hospitals. This is a system under extreme strain. Now, you've worked in this field for a very long time looking for solutions, innovations that can help. What do we do now? It looks like this system is on the verge of breaking.
1: Yeah. I mean, the first thing is to look at what is the problem. And the real problem that's causing the strain at the moment is what some people have called the triple-demic. You've still got COVID out there, although stabilized. We just talked about kind of approaching the end of the emergency phase, hopefully. With no new variants. You've got respiratory syncytial virus, RSV. And the thing that's really surging is influenza. And one way to think about the influenza, and this is seasonal flu, is right now the cases, the hospitalizations are about what they would be at the peak of a normal influenza year. And that's in the early, usually in the early winter months of the year. And what's also very unusual about this is that almost half the isolates in Canada are people zero to nineteen years of age. Influenza always makes more sick, the young and the old, but that's quite a high amount, and that's why you're seeing the pediatric ICUs overwhelmed, the hospital's overwhelmed. And so what can people do? They can use basic public health precautions, they can wear a mask they should wear a mask, especially in indoor areas. They should stay home when they're sick and they should get the flu vaccine and the COVID vaccine because for two of those three things, COVID booster, because for two of those three things on a triple-demic, you've actually got vaccines and vaccines saved lives. So that's really what's putting the strain on the hospital system at the moment is the is the surge in influenza alongside the other two respiratory illnesses. And a surge coming, you know, in a year after a couple of years with relatively low rates because of all the um, public health measures that were in place due to COVID also were suppressing influenza.
0: The system, though, I mean, you talked about fault lines uh, when it came to the way society views public health. I think what we're seeing here is uh, cracks in what we knew was an already troubled public health system. But we're certainly seeing severe strain, what do we need to do then going forward to try to address this to make sure, much like the pandemic revealed so much about our healthcare system, clearly now we're seeing yet uh, more impact. What can we do to make sure that this system is robust going forward?
1: The best thing we could do is those health promotion measures to stop people from getting sick in the first place. The second best thing to do is to make sure the system's resilient enough that when there is a surge, that we can deal with it. What all these things have in common is also the need for a strong workforce, a strong healthcare workforce, health workers who are respected. You know, in the middle of COVID, we were clapping for health workers all the time. Uh, we should think about that and make sure that health workers are supported, well supported, because they were heroes and they're still heroes. So some of the key issues in the health system generally is primary health care, which is promoting health, providing health, protecting and being on the alert for uh, pandemics, and at the heart of that is health
0: workers. We had a reminder of that this year when right in the middle of all our talk of COVID along came something that most of us had never heard of, which was monkeypox, now called MPOX. Another reminder of just how how small the world is now.
1: Yeah, and of course the thing about MPOX, it came... It grew, now it's stabilized, but that was giving us a very strong reminder of the social importance of stigma mm-hmm. and of really supporting key populations and ensuring that they are well-supported. That really is a key lesson of uh, MPOX.
0: And yet we saw the MPOX outbreak be quelled quite quickly. It seems quite successfully that these measures came into place, that we, we had learned some lessons.
1: Yeah, and the, obviously, the uh, we had some tools there, we had some vaccination there. Outbreaks are inevitable, and also a good way to pivot to looking forward to next year. You need to play a good offense, and you need to play a good defense, because those threats are inevitable, whether it's Mpox, whether it's influenza, whether it's RSV, whether it's COVID, there's always incoming threats. And you know what? It's not only infectious disease, it's climate. It's hurricanes, and it's not only climate, it's conflict in many parts of the world. So those kind of incoming threats are inevitable. What we're doing over the coming year in WHO is working on a pandemic accord because the member states of the world have decided to come together to learn some of the lessons of COVID and uh, solve some of them, hopefully, things like countermeasures, like vaccination, like early warning, et cetera. And that's very much in process and also a pandemic fund, which WHO is very heavily involved in. So right away, you can release money like a good soccer team. You've got to play a good offense on those uh, bread and butter goals, uh, non-communicable disease, cancer, child health, maternal health, HIV, malaria, tuberculosis, to speed those up. And we've got to play a good defense on, on, uh, on COVID and other infectious diseases. And just move towards a world where health really is a human right, where people really can expect the health services that they deserve, no matter where they live, no matter what community they're from, and no matter how much money they have. And uh, that's the vision of WHO.
0: Dr. Peter Singer, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it.
1: And it's great to be with you and uh, have a very happy holiday to you and your listeners and a happy new year.